0: Looking out on the morning rain I used to feel so uninspired And when I knew I had to face another day Lord, it made me feel so
1: tired This shouldn't have happened.
2: Anger and tears for Rosalie Rosemond, knowing her search for justice has taken so long. A decade ago, her sister, Charlene Rosemond, was found murdered in their father's car and nothing has been the same
1: since. It's just been a very, very difficult time for my family. It's hard to just grasp the fact that it's been 10 years.
2: Charlene Rosemond was last seen alive on April 7, 2009. Charlene was 23 years old. She was still living with her parents in Everett. She took the T every day to her job at this car dealership on Com Ave in Brighton. But on April seventh, things were going to change for Charlene.
1: Well, she borrowed my dad's car. Um, she didn't want to take the T that day, and my dad wasn't working until later.
2: When Charlene showed up for work that day, she had $4,000 cash in her wallet. She told her family that after work, a friend was going to help her buy a car. But first, Charlene went to this gym across the street. She talked to her mother at about 6 p.m. Charlene's dad needed his car back.
1: She spoke to my mom. It was about 7 p.m. that evening, and she said she was on her way home because my dad needed his car, and that was the last conversation anyone ever had with her.
2: But Charlene never came home. The next day, her family filed a missing persons report. April 13th, almost a full week after Charlene vanished. A tip led police to this parking lot in Somerville behind an apartment building on Webster Street near Union Square. She had been shot once. In the head. Middlesex County District Attorney Marion Ryan says ballistic evidence is giving investigators a clear idea
1: of how Charlene was killed. We know from where the shot was fired, there was at least somebody in the back seat who was that person. What happened? I believe my sister was murdered for the money.
2: DA Ryan says there were witnesses. One person was arrested for perjury, but no one has said enough to make an arrest in Charlene's shooting.
1: We know there were people who know things. And when you think about the trauma of
0: of losing a child, losing your sister in this way so tragically,
1: that is hard enough, but then not to be able to see that someone's held accountable. Rosalie
2: is hoping one of those people will finally come forward now, 10 years later, to give her family some peace.
1: I know it wouldn't bring my sister back, but it would definitely bring justice to my sister's murder and for my family just to know that these people are not out there. She didn't deserve to be killed. She didn't deserve to be robbed. She didn't deserve any of it.
2: If you have any information about what happened to Charlene Roseman, contact investigators at the Middlesex County DA's office at 781-897-6600. For New England's Unsolved, I'm Bob Ward, Boston 25 News.
1: Before we get into this episode regarding my sister's murder, I just wanted to say thank you to Judge Faith Jenkins. I forgot to mention her on the episode, but she has also been a part of the people looking to help my family get justice for my sister's murder. She's made sure to highlight, share a bunch of things regarding my sister's case on her Twitter page. I've been in contact with her team. Um, We, you know, certain things didn't go certain ways, but. I did want to say thank you to Judge Faith Jenkins. Hey, it's your girl, Rosalie, also known as Rosie. On this episode, I will be on by myself. I did want to use this time to um, discuss my sister Charlene Rosemond's murder. This is the 23rd episode, and I want to dedicate this episode because Charlene was 23 when she was killed. Not only did we find my sister with one gunshot in the back of the head in my dad's car, but prior to finding her body, she was missing for six days. And I want to take you all through what that was like and then having to find out that at the end of the six days, we wouldn't be having a reunion with my sister. We would be planning a funeral. So on April 6th, my sister had a conversation with my mom that evening, and my mom told her that my dad needed her to come home because my dad needed his car. Now, she was in the process of trying to buy a new car because hers had issues, so she was using my dad's car. She said she'll be home to bring him in the car. It's about 7 in the evening. And she doesn't come home that night. The next morning, April 7th, my mom comes to my room and tells me, your sister's not home. Now at the time, I'm eight months pregnant with my son. And um, and I'm not too worried because, you know, sometimes we would stay out late Um, and, you know, we're 21, 23. Well, I wasn't 21 yet, almost, but... I know how it was. So I wasn't too concerned. I wasn't too worried. Um, we tried calling her phone, voicemail, voicemail. Can't get in touch with her. Now, at some point, I said to myself, okay, let's wait until her scheduled time to go to work. She usually starts about 7, 730. Now, I know if I called her job and she wasn't there, then we had a problem because my sister was very efficient, very responsible very hardworking and she doesn't miss work for nobody. So the time comes and I call the job and they tell me that she's not there. Okay. So not only does she not come home, but now she's not at work. I'm worried, but still a hundred percent, still not a hundred percent convinced that something's wrong. So, eventually, my mom has to go to work. I told her I was going to keep trying to call. I'll try to find where she is. Now, my dad's home, and hours are going by. By this time, it's about 11, and um, my dad comes to my room, and I'm eight months pregnant. I'm lazy. So, I'm laying down, and um, he comes to my room, and he asks me to go with him to the police station. And I ask, Why? you know because at this point I'm like wait is this really happening and he says please we need to file a missing persons case and I'm like she's not missing yet um and he looks at me and I'll never forget this look in his eyes and I knew that I I should get up and I should go with him I just seen so much pain in his eyes and so much worry so We go to the police station in Everett, which is where we lived. And, um, of course she's 23. They're like, she's not technically missing until 48 hours. You can't file a missing person's case. Maybe she's not trying to come home. Maybe whatever they say, we're trying to explain to them that she is absolutely missing. Now I watched 40. What is it? After the first 48. And I knew that the 48 hours While someone's missing or while something has occurred is the most crucial. So that's already 48 hours that they're knocking off. So I had to do my own investigation. I had to go and look for her on my own. My parents, they tried, but it's hard because they didn't know where we hung out. I knew me and my sister, everybody that knows us knows if you've seen Charlene, you've seen Rosalie. If you've seen Rosalie, Charlene was not too far behind. We were two years apart. We did basically the same shit. We hung out mostly with the same people. Um, so I knew, okay, let me try to look here. Look here. I started contacting her friends, asking them, have they seen her? When's the last time you talked to her? Now, one of her friends, quote unquote, told me that she was last with last seen or heard to be with this person. And she would bring me to his house to see if he knows where she's at. Now, this person is someone that talked to my sister probably 18 out of 24 hours, always calling her, always talking to her. She considered this person a friend. I go to him, I'm pregnant, I'm worried, my parents are worried. But for some reason, this said friend is unbothered by the fact that my sister has gone missing. Now, this friend knows that she's responsible, that she would never not bring my dad's car home, that she would never not go to work on time. But this person is unbothered. At some point, this person says to me, well, maybe she's somewhere drunk. Now, when you know someone's responsible, you know they're efficient, you know they would never go missing, you know that they they are hardworking, for you to be unconcerned and to make that comment, at the time, it didn't resonate. You know, of course I said, okay, now you know that's ridiculous. My sister's not drunk somewhere, so please, don't even. But my concern was to try to locate and find my sister. So... so I, um, so I keep trying and I keep trying and it's crazy because it's hard to find someone once they go missing, besides the typical places that you look, their job, maybe your friend's house. If they have a gym that they go to, it gets very difficult to locate them because there's so many places there could be. And the main thing for us was to find my dad's car. If you find my dad's car, you're going to find my sister. And it was a silver Honda Civic, and it was very hard to find that car. And people were on the lookout. At that time, we started having family come from all over um, because now... It's day two, it's day three, and we still can't find her. The phone's going to voicemail. There's no car. How does a whole car go missing? A whole car with a whole person vanishes, and no one can find them. Between here and Somerville, Malden, Cambridge, all the places you can think of, and no one knows where she is. So at some point, I don't even know if we got to file a missing persons case. I know that my parents started to have this feeling a few days in that, um, that things were not going to turn out good because you know, your daughter, you know, your sister, you know, this is not normal. You know, this is not something that is something that they usually do. So the fact that it's occurring and more days are going and going and going You know that the result is not good. Now, I I can't sit here and say that I believe that at the end of the search, she would be found dead. It's still hard to believe till this day that that someone would take her life. So, I do want to say that the day before, no, the day that she did go missing... She was taking money with her to work and it was a few thousand dollars. And my mom asked her, why are you taking that money with you to work? She said there was a friend of hers that was going to take her to buy a car for a discounted price. It was supposed to be a Lexus. So this person was going to help her get a Lexus for a discount. So she was taking the money with her because she wanted to go see the car And obviously, if you go see the car and you like it, you're going to pay for it. Needless to say, that money was never found or discovered when my sister's body was discovered, which leads me and my family as well as the police to believe that that was the motive for her murder. You have money, and all of a sudden you're found dead, and there's no money found, and there's no Lexus purchased. So the friend that was supposed to help her buy the car was also someone that was not concerned with the fact that she went to go. She went missing no concern whatsoever. Mind you, again, someone that talks to my sister on the regular, all of a sudden, nobody's worried about it. Okay. I can't say too much, but I'm sure we're all thinking the same thing here. So fast forward We can't find my sister. And on April 13th, mind you, April 11th was my birthday, my 21st birthday. There was no celebration. I'm eight months pregnant. I'm not celebrating my birthday. My other sister who lives in Florida was also pregnant with my niece at the time. And she was getting married. So within those six days... We have my sister in Florida getting married, that my sister Charlene was supposed to also be attending the wedding, and we have my 21st birthday, that there's no celebration. My mom, my other sister, Charlene, of course, myself, unable to make it to my sister's wedding in Florida. To be pregnant, your whole wedding, you're crying, your sister's missing, no family of yours can be there because back home, there's turmoil, there's trouble, there's someone missing. So April 13th, one of my friends calls me and she says, I think you need to speak to the Somerville Police Department. So at the same time, my dad got a phone call. At this time, there are a bunch of people At my house, family from Canada, from Florida, from New Jersey, everywhere. Now we don't know what to do. We're looking, we're looking for my sister. You know, as I talk about it and I think about it now, it's such a surreal moment. Uh, You see these things in movies, you see these things in shows, but to live it is a different type of pain. And until someone goes through it, you'll never understand it. As much as you try, Um, it's it's just something hard to live with, but, um, so my dad gets a phone call from his cousin, who's a taxi driver, but my dad can't hear him. There's a lot of noise in the house. There's a lot going on. And, um, my dad gives the phone to my brother-in-law. And so my brother-in-law takes the phone and he goes in the room within a few minutes, he comes out and he asks for me, my parents, and his wife, my older sister, to come in the room. So we get in the room, and he can't say anything. His lips won't move, and my dad is like, what is it, what is it? And he won't say anything. And my dad asks him, is it Charlene? And he shakes his head yes, still no words. And my dad asks, is she dead? And he's unable to verbally tell us but he shakes his head yes at that moment my dad runs out of the house he runs down the street my mom drops to the floor and we're all in disbelief that at the end of the 6 day search that my sister would not be coming home she's not injured she's not in critical condition that she is deceased One gunshot in the back of the head found in my dad's Honda Civic on Webster Ave. Besides up behind the apartment building in Union Square. So, of course, we have to go. Um, Of course, we have to go. And we get there. And for me, in order for it to seem real, I need to confirm that this is a license plate for my dad's car. There's crime scene tape everywhere. Of course, I can't go up to the car, but I need to uh, confirm the plates. So once I see the plates, I realize that this is really my dad's car. And I realize that at that moment, like our lives have changed forever. Um, You know, to have a sibling that's been there since birth, That you've done everything with. You've taken your first steps. uh, You know, you've had matching outfits. You've had matching hairstyles. You have secrets that nobody else knows about. In a short period of time, that changes and there's no longer that sibling. It's something very difficult to deal with. But I can also imagine how hard it is for my parents to raise your child, to make sure they're on the right path, to pay for them to go through school, for you to raise an amazing woman and to have someone in a split second decide that they are no longer going to be here on earth. I can't even imagine it. So... Once we confirm that it's my sister, we have to go to the police station. Of course, sorry for your loss. So there has been so much investigation going on. Um, I provided them with a lot of information. And I was hoping that um we'd be able to get this thing solved. These are the parties that were last known with her. Or said to be last known with her. Let's get these people in jail. It doesn't happen. It still hasn't happened. It's been eleven years. Now, when we had to uh, go identify my sister's body, you know, in the movies I've seen, you you go and um, and they're on the table. They have a sheet over them. They pull the sheet back. You identify. Now. The gunshot to my sister's head prevented us from being able to do that. So we had to identify my sister at the Boston Medical Examiner's office through a picture because they told us that the size of the gunshot to her forehead was the size of an extra large egg. So of course we're unable to Of course we're unable to view her body when that is how her face looks. So they give you this picture and of course it's my sister. She just got her eyebrows done. Her lips were chapped. And everybody that knows her knows that she always wore a lot of lip gloss. Never had chapped lips. Um, And yeah. We had to identify her that way. And um, so I'm thinking, we're going to get these people. They're going to get arrested. And, um, And nothing happens. So now her funeral comes. Certain friends don't show up for the funeral. They don't show up. They're around every other time. But now is the time of the funeral. They don't show up. Two weeks after my sister's funeral, my son is born. She wanted me to have a boy. She never got a chance to meet my son. How can you be happy when your best friend was just murdered and you just buried her two weeks ago, but you also just have a child that you welcome into this world? So of course it was hard to deal with my emotions. I didn't know how to feel how do you feel happy when you feel guilty that you're celebrating life when someone's life was just taken and I'll also say that um up until the time my sister died we were not on good terms sometimes you think oh that's my sister that's my brother or that's whoever and um You get in an argument and you're like, I'll just talk to them when I talk to them. I felt that way and I'll never get to talk to her ever again. And that is something that I've had to live with and I've had to deal with. (laughs) Sorry. But that doesn't take away from the fact that she was my best friend. She was my sister and I will forever look for justice for my sister. So, so fast forward about a year or two after someone was arrested and charged with perjury in regards to my sister's case. They were found guilty. They created an alibi for certain people. And it was proven in court that they were not with the people that they said they were. They proved that this person was nowhere within the vicinity of these other people, meaning you're creating an alibi, meaning that these people are probably involved. And this person was found guilty. He was sentenced to about maybe two years um, with time served. He had served a year and some change at that point. So at this point, he was able to get out pretty quickly. And that was all that came from it. We had a detective working on the case amazing amazing guy found out he was retired um i went to some of a police department every so often i would check in with the district attorney's office i will follow up with the police i will send emails i will call i will stop by the police station what do you need me to do is there any new information and you would get the typical nope there's nothing nope there's nothing there's nope there's nothing few years ago i decided to stop by the police station again I find out at this time that this detective that has been working on the case is retired. Very disappointing because he's amazing and he's been such a huge part of me and my family's life that it it was sad to hear. This new detective states that he was taking over and he was now covering my sister's case. After we get into it a little bit, I discovered that not only had he never heard or even touched my sister's case, no one worked on my sister's case for a couple years. It just sat there collecting dust. The a Police Department decided, I don't know, okay, well, she's murdered. We can't figure it out. Let's call it a day. That's not how it works. They were given so much information. They were provided so much details. They should have been able to do more than they have done. But I also need the public to know that we need the public's help. Yes, the police department is responsible for solving murders. That is their job. But if there's a group of people, there's a community that is aware of what happened, that refused to talk, that's not helpful. We have to work hand in hand. If you don't want to talk to the police, talk to me. Send me an email. Contact me through DMs. Send me a freaking letter, whatever you have to do. I need the people responsible for my sister's murder put in jail. They have killed, they will kill again. It was thought out, it was planned because my sister was trusting of people that were not worthy of her trust and these people are still out there. Someone out there right now is trusting these people, not knowing that they have killed. And there are people out there that know that these people have killed. Why are you protecting killers? It could very well be you. It could be someone else. It can cause damage to someone else's family. When you kill somebody, it's not only about you taking their life. This has changed my family drastically. It has changed me as a person. I view the world differently. I view people differently. I smile, I joke, I laugh. I have a lot of personality. But part of me is dead inside. And I don't think it'll ever be revived. My son is such a great part of my life. He brings me so much happiness. My nieces bring me so much happiness. My parents, my sisters, my brother-in-law, but there's just a part of me that has died when my sister died. And every day that we don't get justice, it, it it dies a little bit more. My grandfather, he died in 2017. And although he had memory loss, he always remembered the fact that my sister was murdered. And he always asked me if they have caught the people and put them in jail. So he couldn't remember my name sometimes, but he remembered that. And unfortunately, he passed away and he didn't get to see that justice for his granddaughter. And... It's been 11 years now. I've done two interviews with Bob Ward from Fox 25 News. Thank you to him for unsolved murders. And he did one about four years in, maybe five. And he did one for a 10 year anniversary of the unsolved murder of my sister and still nothing. I've tried to share and I will continue sharing her story. I need everyone to share her story. I need people That may not have known about this story 10 years ago, 11 years ago, to know about it now. You may know something that you were unaware was a part of my sister's case. You may want to get it off your chest. Maybe it's eating you alive. I, I need help. I need you guys to help me solve my sister's murder. You know, I see so many people sharing... Other people's murders and stories from all over the world. I want my sister's story and her murder to be a part of the ones you think about. When you're sharing stories and this is crazy and this is brutal and how could this be done to someone? I want her to also be a part of your rotation of murders that are unsolved, that need to be shared, that need to be solved. Somerville, somewhere I grew up. I considered Somerville home. My sister considered Somerville home. For you to have a community of people in Somerville that refused to speak on a murder that was senseless, that was heartless, that was brutal, for my sister to be killed execution style by people that she most likely knew, that's just crazy to me. And for people to have that information and to hold it in their heart and not feel that they they need to speak, This could have been solved 11 years ago, 10 years ago, but somehow it hasn't. These people probably feel like they've gotten away with it. You haven't. You know what you did wrong. And I know that you know that at some point you need to be locked up. You got the money from my sister. It was worth her life. It wasn't worth her life we could have given you the same amount of money that you robbed and killed her for. But yet you took that approach and you took that route. And I just want people to know that um, that you really need to watch the people that you're around. You need to take heed when people do certain things. You need to not trust Every friend that you have. And I don't mean to sound negative. Because I have a lot of friends that I trust. I have a lot of friends that are amazing. But my view is different now. Because you don't know who's out to get you. You don't know who's genuine anymore. Money is the root of all evil. And um, and people will kill you for it. So Charlene's murder needs to be solved. I need the justice. My parents need the justice. My son needs the justice for his aunt, my nieces. I bring my son to the cemetery. He talks to her grave. He's never met her before. He talks to her grave. It's it's something hard for me to deal with and I'm dealing with it. I cover up my pain with a smile. I, uh, I've learned to live life as best as I can because you're not promised tomorrow, but it's a pain that is hard. It's hard to live with on most days, but you have to keep going. Um, You have other things to live for. Um, I have to continue for my son, for my parents, for justice for my sister. So I'm asking if you're listening to this, if you know information about my sister's murder, Please contact me. You can email me at justiceforcharlenerosemont at gmail.com. You can send me a message on social network. I just need your help. I 11 years is such a long time and I don't want it to be 11 more. I want to get these people off the street. They don't deserve to be out there with the public. Um, and my sister's justice needs to come for me and my family. It was senseless, it's not right. She shouldn't have been murdered. She shouldn't have been killed. She was a great person, a great sister, a great daughter, a great aunt, a great friend. She should be here. We should be growing up together. My son, my nieces should have their aunt. I don't know where my sister would have been, but I know that she would have been in an amazing place and I would have been there right with her. We would have been unstoppable and um, and her legacy will always live on through me. I will never give up justice, fighting for justice for my sister. I will never s- stop speaking her name. I will forever carry her in my heart, in my spirit, in my everyday life. But I want to appreciate you all and say thank you for listening to this episode. I want to say having someone go missing and having someone found murdered, the pain runs equally as deep, you know, because at the end of the search, you don't know whether or not they will be found, but to not know where they are is also unbearable, and then to find out that, okay, they're found now, but they're dead, you'll never get to talk to them again, this is the end for them, That's also very difficult to deal with. So I say to anyone out there listening, if you have a sibling, a family member, a friend, anyone that's missing, I feel your pain. I know what it feels like. It's hard to comfort you because I know that there were no comforting words that I could have heard because you are just needing to have the person there. The words of encouragement, all of that is great, but I needed to have my sister. None of it did anything for me. And then for the people out there that have people in their family or friends, siblings, children, parents that have been murdered. Again, my heart goes out to you. I know that pain all too well. I know it's a pain that is hard to understand unless you have gone through it. I know every day is a struggle for you. But we must continue to live on. We must continue to carry their their names in our hearts. Speak it out loud. Unsolved murders. Even if they are solved. I know people grieve differently. I know people do things differently. So whatever you need to. To start your healing process. Or continue to be in a safe place. Mentally. Then continue to do so. Um, but I, I know the pain. And. It's sad that that's that's a lot of families. There's a lot of families out there going through the same thing. But I just want to say that. um, I just want to close off by saying again. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have any questions. Obviously there's certain things I can't talk about. um, So I did have to shorten it and make it brief. Because it is an unsolved case. Um, I do still speak to. The district's attorney's office, uh, detective from time to time, although there's never anything that comes from these conversations. But um, it's not a closed case. is not It is an active case. I don't care how you paint it. And um, at the end of the day, justice will come. Justice will come. You know what you did. God knows what you did. Some of your people know what you did, but you cannot get away with it. You will not get away with it. So thank you listeners for tuning in. And um, I appreciate you.